When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Meet Calvin. Hi. Calvin won 50 bucks off his roommate. That's because Calvin has the iHeartRadio app. iHeartRadio. Which he used to make a pasta song playlist. I'm a genioki. Calvin blasted this on repeat after betting his roommate couldn't complete a four-day juice cleanse. Oh, I can. The song Proper Pappardell pushed him over the edge. Mm, I love carbs. Good thing Calvin is one of millions with the iHeartRadio app. Download it today and get paid to ruin your roommate's stupid cleanse. Like Calvin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Lineup with Dave Prodan. I'm Dave Prodan, and this is episode 101. The world's best surfing is back with the start of the 2022 WSL Championship Tour season at stop number one, the Billabong Pro Pipeline, starting over the weekend in what some are calling the best day they've ever seen for competition at the fabled break. Now, that's no small feat considering Pipeline has been hosting events since 1971 and has been a world tour staple since 1976. Competitors at this opening stop this season will be looking to put their names alongside the likes of past pipe champions like Jerry Lopez, Sean Thompson, Rory Russell, Michael Ho, Derek Ho, Tom Carroll, Kelly Slater, Andy Irons, Joel Parkinson, and many others. And opening day saw unbelievable surfing from the likes of Owen Wright, Connor O'Leary, Baron Mamiya, Seth Moniz, John John Florence, Jack Robinson, Ethan Ewing, Nat Young, and many others. It was streamed live on worldsurfleague.com and the WSL app. If you missed any of it, be sure to check out the highlights immediately. Following up on the opening day of the season was the historic day two, where the world's best women surfers paddled out for the first ever championship tour event at the Bonsai Pipeline. The day's performances were led by Molly Picklum, Malia Manuel, Moana Jones-Wong, and Tyler Wright. Now, the surf on day two didn't stick around as much as it was forecasted to, but there's definitely more swell on the horizon, and we're going to see the world's best surfers back out in great conditions in the coming days. The Billabong Pro Pipeline is, of course, the start of the 2022 WSL Championship Tour season, which will barrel towards the midseason cutoff after CT5, that will reduce the fields by one-third, both the men's and the women's fields. And then those surfers will compete through the back five events for a spot in the WSL Final Five following CT10 in Tahiti. And those surfers will go on to compete for the undisputed world title at this September's Rip Curl WSL Finals. Again, all of it happens live on WorldSurfLeague.com and the WSL app. Do not miss it. All right, episode 101. Today's guest is someone who is a dangerous part of the new vanguard pushing the limits of women's surfing. A rookie qualifier for the elite WSL Championship Tour in 2022, she was born and raised on the North Shore of Oahu, developing a solid power-based foundation to her surfing that was on display last year on the Challenger Series and has already been showcased this year in Hawaii. She's young, but incredibly articulate, and I think she has a bright future ahead of her. We talk about all this and more. Please enjoy the lineup's conversation with Sunset Beach's Luana Silva. The good old clap, take one. That's right. 
How many of you knew what you wanted to be when you were seven years old? I did. I wanted to be a world champion. Hey, is there honesty involved in this podcast? Can we be honest? You can shut your fucking lips. And then I'll just say, put them up once. Let's go. He's like, you look too pretty on the wave. Get ugly. We can talk about DMT if you want. <laughs> we have 2022 WSL Championship Tour rookie Luana Silva on today's episode of the lineup. Thanks so much for doing this. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to do it. So it's uh, it's crazy times. How are you doing today? Where are we right now? Who have you been hanging out with? Um, I'm doing pretty good today. We are in my living room <laughs> and yeah, it's been fun. Have you surfed today? And if uh, not, depending on how long this goes, are you gonna try to surf again? I surfed this morning at pipe or back door and I probably won't surf again because <laughs> the daylight probably ends around six. So we are recording this a couple of days before the start of the 2022 WSL Championship Tour season with yeah. the Billabong Pro Pipeline starting on January 29th. But by the time this comes out, it's possible that you've already had your first heat as a full-fledged Championship Tour surfer. So since we're probably speaking to future listeners right now, <laughs> What is going to happen in terms of your preparation between now and the events? You know, what's your daily routine like? How much do you surf? Is it only at pipe? Um, how much do you train? Walk us through what's going to, the next couple of days are going to be like for you before the event starts. Just to keep surfing out at pipe. I feel like the more I surf out there, the more comfortable you get. And I guess like same as the more you ride waves out there, the more comfortable you get. So. I've just been going there every morning, trying to get as comfortable as I can for the start of the season. And how long have you lived on the North Shore for? I was born and raised on the North Shore. So 17 years, my whole life. <laughs> when was the first time you went out and surfed pipe? Probably when I was like 11, but it was probably like one or two feet, right. like sandbar days, you know? My mom and dad used to take me like before school, like, oh, just go and try and get a couple waves. Like, but it was probably like, one, two feet, super small. Right. Yeah. And since the uh, since the tour has been redesigned and now we're starting both the men's and women's championship tour seasons at Pipeline, I know you're a rookie, you're fresh qualified, but has that changed, you know, how often you surf pipe? Have you intentionally been trying to surf out there a lot more before this opening event or do you, or is it about the same? No, actually, like, I kind of like rarely go out there. I will go out there on occasions, like if it's like a fun, good size, but never if it's like big with consequence. So I think intentionally I've been going out there more and more just because of the start of the season and because there's our first event is over there. Mm -hmm. Probably surf pipe more this like <laughs> the past month than I ever have. <laughs> yeah. So it's been a fun experience just getting to learn the wave more. Yeah. And when you go out there when it's serious and, and, and are you working with anyone in particular? Are you talking to anybody in the lineup? How are you kind of figuring it out um, when you're out there training and getting ready for the event? I've been working with um, Reynos Hayes just from last year on the Challenger Series and going into this year as well. He'll be going on tour with us and he'll just give, be giving me like tips on where to sit and like where to position myself, what waves to catch. And then if I'm out there, if I see like any of the uncles that I usually see like anywhere else, like any other spot, I'll probably ask them like, hey, I think I can get away from you. <laughs> so. 
and now, stuff like that. Now, in, in terms of the work you have been putting in at Pipe recently, has it been paying off in terms of, have you gotten some good waves? Have you gotten some good barrels? Are you like, hey, yeah, it's actually working out. I'm I, I kind of, I'm getting, a, I'm getting some good waves out here right now. No, I have actually like, <laughs> no, I haven't really gotten like a good, like a great wave yet. I'm like kind of hoping I could get one in my heat. <laughs> But I think I'm just getting more and more comfortable every session and like on what waves I should go on, what waves I shouldn't, where to sit myself, like put myself to get a good wave. Right. So I think that's kind of paying off and like in a heat, I hope like I'd be ready for that. It is one of those things that I, I think doesn't really get talked about enough because I do think it's it's one of those spots where like the disconnect between seeing a person like perfectly positioned in the barrel at pipeline and the reality of like watching it in the flesh or even paddling out there and being yeah. like this is per, pound for pound maybe the most radical pack on the planet yeah. at one of the most radical waves and getting to that position that you see in the photo so much work goes into it yeah it's definitely not how it looks like from <laughs> land than in the water when you're in the water it's like so much more different than what you see from land like just all the best guys in the world out there scratching for just a perfect wave. Like you could be waiting like three hours, four or five hours just for like that one good ride that'll like satisfy your like whole day. That's another thing that I think yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because you can talk to John or you can talk to like a number of people who you assume must get all the waves they want out there. And they often say like, I was out there for three hours and got two waves. And they say that was a good day, you know, and you're like, that's radical. Like, that's and so I, 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 I cannot, I don't think anyone can overstate how challenging it is even just to train out there. But as you pointed out, like that must be kind of appealing when you're going, well, we're going to have an event out there and I'm surfing against one or two other women. I'm going to, it's going to be an opportunity for me to get the waves I want. Yeah. Yeah. I think. It'll be so much fun surfing against like two, three other women out there because we can select any wave we want. I think this is probably the hardest event to practice for because of how challenging that crowd is with um, how many good people are out there. So, yeah. I, and this is a personal question because I, I was always curious about this. Since you're someone who's training to surf in the event at Pipe, there's obviously so many other world-class waves on the North Shore that have a ton of power themselves, a lot of them, you know, barrel as well. Is it ever worth going, all right, I'm not going to battle the pack out there. I'm going to, like, get my boards dialed at another spot um, to just feel better before the event starts? Or is Pipe so unique that it's, like, it's actually better to go out and get less waves and just get comfortable with that lineup? I think the best thing to train for Pipe is to surf that Pipe. Like, I don't think there's, there is no other wave like out at, on the North Shore that's like that wave. I mean, you'll have like a couple days, maybe at like Rockies, they'll have a couple barrels or like anywhere else, but it's not like how consequential like pipe is. Right. Yeah. So, Makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Your opening round heat is against Joanne DeFay and Isabella Nichols. Does it matter to you who you surf against? Does it change your approach at all? Or are you just you're going out there with the same game plan, um, agnostic at kind of who you're surfing against? I don't think it should matter who you're going up against. I've always been told it's you against the ocean. 
and just to just focus on yourself. I've always been told, like, don't ever focus on the other girls, which is kind of hard. Like, <laughs> if you hear, oh, they got a nine-point ride at Pipe, like, you're like, it's hard not to focus on them. But I try not to focus on who is in my heat, even though if it's, like, heavy hitters. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. When you're in a heat and one of your competitors catches a wave, do you watch it from the back or do you intentionally not look? Because I've heard it both ways and I've, I've definitely seen like world-class surfers like put their head down <laughs> while someone's just belting it out the back and they're like, I don't want to know what's happening out there. I want to say that I don't do that, but <laughs> I have had moments where I do that quite often. So I would say that I do that a lot, which I shouldn't. <laughs> I feel like if I ever competed at any level close to this, all the photos of me would just be in the lineup of someone else ripping and like my dumb head, like looking <laughs> over my shoulder with like my mouth open, like, oh my God, what's <laughs> happening? It's hard not to watch what they're doing on the wave. Like you kind of want to know how well they did on that wave, right. like for the score that they got, I guess. So like when you see their wave and like, you hear the score that they got. You kind of like want to match, of course, what they did or something. But um, I don't want to focus on that. It's, it's fair. Yeah. I mean, is there any part of that that is maybe exaggerated at the championship tour level because these are the world's best surfers, and it's like, well, I kind of want to see what like Carissa does, yeah, you know, or or something like that. And you know, you being we're gonna get to this in a little bit, but like you being really part of this exciting next wave of, of women on tour and you're so young have you thought a lot about just the psychological component of you're probably competing against people who you probably have posters of them on your wall yeah you know um i know i still am kind of like disbelief that i'm on tour and i surf in a ct in like three days <laughs> at height <laughs> <I, yeah. laughs> and i've yeah i've had posters of chris on my wall i've had posters of steph lakey like all those girls I've watched, like all their like movies, surf edits, everything. They've like always inspired me to be who I wanted to be. So yeah, I hope it's not as intimidating as it sounds competing against them. I'm just excited to just compete against the world's best surfers. Well, and you're one of them, right? That's so weird to hear, yeah. Well, well let's talk about that a little bit because First off, a huge congratulations Thank on qualifying. You. Like that is amazing. And you're only 17. Yeah. That is unbelievable. When you set out to do the Challenger Series last year, was it a realistic goal for you personally to qualify? Or were you just looking to kind of get experience and maybe try to finish you know, top X or whatever? So before the Challenger Series started, my dad was putting into my mind like, hey, like, you should qualify, like, this this year. Like, you're at that age where, you're, like, you can do it and, like, you have so much talent and support from everyone that you're able to do what you want to do. It's, like, your dream. And I just had it, I had it in the back of my head. I never really thought I could get here so fast. And then after the first Challenger Series event, I was, like, maybe I won't, like... It was a pretty bad result for me at the U.S. Open first round loss. Mm. And then after Portugal, I was like, whoa, you can do this. Like, you just want a 10,000. That's insane. And I'm still shocked over that, too. Like, that's pretty crazy to me. I mean, it, and it, I mean, they're battle hardened, like CT surfers that really can't make that jump, right? Because as you pointed out, first round knockout at the US Open, I think you finished 49th, mm -hmm. fly around the world. 
to Europe and then win the Mayo of Isla Pro Aracera. Like, was there anything specific that clicked in that window between losing at the US Open and, and winning in Portugal that you noticed? Or was it just a, I didn't surf well and then I did kind of thing? I think I was more focused at, um, in Portugal and like I wasn't so distracted mm. um, but it was kind of like it was new territory for me as well like I've never been to Portugal like I got to know the place really well it was just a fun way to experience Portugal I guess like uh, fun way to learn <laughs> I love like learning about new waves and like how the reefs work how the how it breaks and like I've been to Huntington so many times I'm like Kind of got sick and tired over that wave. <laughs> Especially if it's not clicking for you. It's on the yeah. day. You're like, oh yeah. my God, this wave. But I mean, you defeated fellow Hawaiian and fellow 2022 CT rookie Gabriella Bryan, mm -hmm. you know, at Aracera. And you just had a monster event, you know, and had an amazing finish. I think you got 1803 out of 20 in, in that heat. So something was clicking for you at that wave. I think I was just like, so fired up like I think after my round of 16 heat like against the Portuguese there she was like one of the favorites in that contest for sure right so I think after that heat got me so fired up and was like you can like really do this like you have you're just as talented as everyone else in this event so like why aren't you like able you can like win this event right so it's just I think it was just a mental thing that just clicked in my mind and was like and I was just having so much fun surfing at that spot. It kind of reminded me of like waves over here. Yeah. Yeah. Which was really fun. That makes sense. Yeah. So then first round knockout at US Open, you win in Portugal, mm -hmm. go to France, probably not the result you wanted. And I think you actually, you and I met for the first time at Haleiva yeah. where we, Reynos introduced us and yeah. Liam was there. Yeah. And I think I said, oh, congratulations, you uh -huh. know, and he's like, she's not done yet. And I'm like. <laughs> I have a good feeling. So I'm glad we're having this conversation because I can tell Reina that I was right. Um, but, you know, what was the pressure like for you at Haleiva, right? Because there was a lot going on um, in terms of the qualification shuffle. You know, how did you feel about that event? And, and then talk us a little bit through how the final went down mm -hmm. because I think one of your very close child lifelong friends, mm -hmm. uh, Betty Luce Kira Johnson, won the event, qualified, mm -hmm. and that, that helped you qualify as well. Yeah, um, so I was actually really feeling really confident at Haleiva. Not many of the other QS surfers knew know how to surf Haleiva, so mm -hmm. I thought like some of the Hawaii girls definitely had an advantage over that, and we come from here, we know how to surf big, powerful waves. So I was feeling really good about that event. Unfortunately, I got like knocked out like second heat due to like such a stacked heat as well. Right. Like all the girls that were in that heat, Carissa, Brisa, Gabby, like we uh, they all surf insane. So, but it was a good experience. So just watching Betty Lou just thrive at her home break was super fun to watch. And qualifying the same year was like a whole nother level of like awesome. Yeah. Are you and Betty Lou the same age? About the same age? She's um, 16. I'm just a year older. So, okay. So 16. Yeah. 16 and 17 years old. How do 16 and 17 year olds celebrate qualifying for the championship tour? Did you guys do anything fun? Um, I think we kind of did our separate thing. She had, because she lives on, we live on opposite sides. She lives in Hollywood. I live in Sunset. So I kind of had like a little bit of my family just 
just celebrated here at my house. And then I think she just celebrated with her family down there. But yeah. <laughs> Very nice and wholesome. Yeah. It was a big, big departure from how things were, you know, yeah. 20 years ago or whatever. But I mean, it's interesting because that event finished in sort of early December. Mm-hmm. Traditionally, we wouldn't start the CT until, you know, March, April in some, some occasions yeah. in Australia. Really quick turnaround. Right. You have the holidays, you get the new year and it's like, okay, the season's about to start. So there wasn't a ton of time for celebration anyway. Mm -hmm. Did anything change in your just sort of mental approach between trying to make the tour and then realizing, okay, I'm I'm here now. I have to work on these things before pipe and sunset. Um, Or was it just sort of more the same same approach that you were taking Um, last year as well? I'm kind of just taking the same approach as I did um, last year, just trying to stay focused for each event and just I don't want to expect too much out of myself this year I just want to go out and have fun um I'm still so young for this I would say I feel like if I expect so much out of myself for an event um I tend to do worse right that might go for many of the other athletes if I just have fun and don't expect anything I that's how Portugal was like I didn't really expect so much out of myself and Mm. I came out on top. It's something that comes up in a lot of these conversations with uh, elite level surfers like yourself. And we talk about how, you know, in terms of having total confidence and even like a little bit of arrogance and swagger, it's not, doesn't happen that often in surfing. And I think at the end of the day, most people kind of point out, well, the ocean's in charge. Like you can be, you have the best boards, you can be the fittest person on tour, you can be the most talented. And at the end of the day, it's anyone's heat, especially at the CT level, because, yeah. you know, are you going to get the waves? Are you going to surf them correctly? There's so many variables. Um, but I think coming from Hawaii and certainly growing up here gives you a huge advantage, especially in these opening events. And then we're heading back to Portugal where you've got a lot of success already. Yeah, I'm just really excited just to start off the year at home. At um, One is at, at my home break at Sunset Beach. And I'm just really looking forward to pipe as well, surfing with like one other girl out at a perfect wave and sunset too just i'm just excited to have fun this year we're gonna take a quick break to get a word in from our sponsors and we'll be right back wslstore.com is powered by shopify we love the analytics we can check on the go a lot of us are addicted to checking the shopify app on our phones we also love the automations and marketing integrations with our social and youtube channels It has incredible features to help us manage our global audience, including international taxation support and great shipping optionality. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort. Thanks to Shopify magic, your AI powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, 
and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash lineup, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash lineup now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash lineup. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So when I came in to your beautiful home here I, I met your lovely mom and your dad and your beautiful puppy um tell us a little bit about this you said you were born and raised on the north shore is your family originally from here where do they come from my parents are both from brazil but a little opposite sides my dad is from sao paulo and my mom is a little bit more north up in brazil recife mm-hmm. but they met actually in bali and then they just decided they wanted to have like a fun lifestyle to grow a family and they decided to come over here and start a nice family. <laughs> wow, and you're the product of that. Me and my brother. Brother. Older brother, younger brother? I have a younger nine year old brother. Nine year old brother. Yeah. Does he surf? He does. He does everything. He golfs, he surfs, he does jujitsu, he loves soccer. It's kind of like he's at that age where he's into everything. Right. Yeah. What about you? Did you have a bunch of interests when you were younger? Were you doing everything as well? Um, I tried jujitsu, never really liked that. I was never really into self-defense. <laughs> I hate hurting people. The martial arts. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I like I like kickboxing. I do kickboxing now. Oh, cool. Which I really like that, but I never really liked jujitsu. I was a ballet dancer when I was like five five to seven okay my mom like loved ballet so she put me in ballet i did hula i played some tennis did soccer i loved soccer but surfing kind of stuck out for me makes sense yeah yeah i mean i think a lot of those other activities too you end up getting to take things from those and apply them to whatever you end up doing like Mm -hmm. i would imagine that what you learned in ballet about body control (laughs) actually has a lot of uh, use in surfing, you yeah. know, in a lot of ways. Well, that was like so long ago. I'm not sure if I right. still like <laughs> remember. Ingrained maybe. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That was only when I was like five or seven. So I don't know if that's engraved or not. But how old, how old were you when you started surfing? Three is Three. when I got um, pushed into my first wave. And then I started competing when I was seven. I did my first contest when I was seven. Was that your decision? Or were you like, I want to compete. I want to get a trophy. Um, no, because um, I think it was my parents' decision. They were like, why don't you just try this out? Like, it, all the kids do it. Like, right. you surf. Like, just try it out. Have fun. It, everyone gets a trophy. Um, it's like the participation trophies. Sure. It's called the Kokua Division. So we we would have um, the Menehune Surf Contest at Haliva. And, like, everyone participated. Everyone got a trophy, which was really cool. That's, fun experience. 
That's good. Yeah. Growing up here, did you go to Sunset Beach Elementary? Or? I did. Wow. I did. A lot, a lot of, um, a lot of superstars have passed through those halls. Yes, a lot of them. How how do you balance a burgeoning surf career at a elementary school that's across the street from Pipe? Like, is it is it hard? You mentioned going to surf before school, but are you ever like, oh, I don't really want to. I'm going to go surf all day. I probably had. My mom was really strict on school. Like I. Education comes first in this family. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd have to go to school, but I'd play hooky sometimes, mm. like maybe two times out of the month. Just like dad was like, let's just go surf all day. <laughs> uh, like the contest used to be on and we would be in school and like we could hear scores and like right. the commentator and being like, oh my God, I just want to go watch like the pipe master so bad right now. It's like, Kelly probably got like a 10 and John was like in the heat. I was like, let me go watch the contest. It was kind of like torture a little bit. So many young surfers around the world um, that have like preternatural talent like yourself and, and achieve so much at such a young age, going to school or public school becomes a real challenge. Mm -hmm. um, and they end up doing sort of online school and remote learning. Is that something that you ended up doing eventually or did you continue to, to go to school? So after I went to Sunset Beach, I tried like seventh through ninth grade at Kahuku High and Intermediate. And as I went first started at Kahuku, um, I started to travel like inner island for um, like the NSSA contest. We would right. have internet inner island contest say like Kauai one weekend the next weekend would be Maui or wherever so I would have to leave around I'd have to leave like Thursday or Friday like out of school and they they weren't really flexible mm. with me like leaving and missing important assignments or tests so around after ninth grade um I my family and me decided just to do on homeschool right yeah I think it, it almost becomes impossible like at that yeah. point, but it sounds like you were still pretty dedicated to doing the homeschooling anyway. So, yeah. So if we had like all the NSSA contests one weekend and I'd have to like leave school earlier, like a Thursday or something, I'd have to take all my work with me and like do it over the weekend while I had the contest and stuff. Right. All my homework. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, this feels a little bit like a silly question because you're still so young and your answer could be like, oh, it felt like it, it was going to be a thing when I qualified a few months ago. Mm -hmm. But was there a moment for you when you were younger coming up and developing and, and competing where you thought, OK, I'm going to be a professional surfer. I'm going to try to do this as a career. Mm -hmm. and, and was there a moment for you that you remember or was it sort of just something that you, you always accepted was going to be something you tried to do? I would kind of say both. So mm -hmm. I've always loved surfing and ever since I started surfing. But I think the moment for me when I realized like I actually wanted to pursue this and make a career out of this was um, when I was about like 12 years old, when I won my first national title at Lowers. And I was like, you could like really do this. Like you're like, ta I feel like I was talented enough to like pursue what I wanted to do. And I just was dedicated and worked hard for it. And I, I like the answer. Yeah. At, at the elite level, certainly at all levels of surfing, but definitely the championship tour, because surfing's so special and so unique, not everyone surfs exactly the same. Like some people have strengths and then some of those strengths are other people's weaknesses, et cetera. Mm -hmm. 
I know this is a hard question for, for most people to answer, especially because it could be about yourself. But if you could remove yourself and objectively watch the way you surf, mm -hmm. what would you say are your biggest strengths as a surfer? I'd say my biggest strength would probably be my power. Mm. My, I feel like I'm a very powerful surfer, especially coming out from Hawaii. It's I think everyone's powerful coming from here. Mm. Like in waves of con consequence, I guess, like everyone's super powerful over here. Well, I, I would say that I totally agree, just as an objective observer yeah. and watching you surf. Um, but also, I'd say that at least the, the schedule at the elite level is kind of geared towards that kind of surfing, especially in the first half, right? Mm -hmm. Because we're at Pipeline to start, Sunset Beach, which is your home break. We go to Super Tubos in Portugal in the middle of winter. So this is another heavy wave. You know, Bells Beach, Margaret River, all, all waves with a lot of power. So not to make it too easy for you, <laughs> but I feel like you're, you're qualifying at a moment that really suits your type of surfing. I feel like, yeah, like as you, I never really like actually like looked at it from what you just said, but that might suit all, those waves might suit my surfing. Yeah, I'm excited for that. I never really realized that actually. Well, don't overthink it. We're just making sure. <laughs> but I, I do think, I do think you prime for a good run here. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about sponsorship because it's so important mm -hmm. in the surfing world mm -hmm. um, for surfers that are on and off tour. When was the first time you got sponsored? How old were you? So I first got sponsored when I was 12 years old after actually that lowers event. Randos Hayes came up to me and was like, hey, like, we want you to be a part of the Billabong team. Right. And I was just in shock, like the greatest surfers like of all time, like Andy, Parco, Mark Ocalupo, like they all rode for this iconic brand and to just be a part of the, the brand that he was asking me to be a part of, like, I was in disbelief. I was so excited. I was going to ask you about that because you're absolutely right. Like they are globally recognized as having an incredible program, but certainly in Hawaii, um, you know, as you mentioned, Andy, have you been able to tap into any of those resources? Obviously you have Reynos, who's invaluable as a coach, but mm -hmm. you know, the other team riders, when they come through, do you spend time in the team house? Do you talk to Aki or Joel or anybody about anything? And um, have you been able to kind of leverage that relationship with your sponsor yet? Um, I actually, um, when I first got on the team, um, I was pretty shy, like to introduce myself and to say who I was and to even enter the house with like such like famous and like popular people. Um, I just kind of like sit on the sidelines and watch them do their thing and not try not to bother or like ask too much questions but if i ever had the opportunity i would ask like hey like what do you think about this you know but um i was never that type of person to just like go right there like i was kind of like in the shadows a little bit <laughs> we should drag them over to hawaii they're all retired now <laughs> their job should be to like pass along the wisdom i think yeah, it'd be yeah. a really cool thing yeah what about board building i think i think i saw that originally no maybe not originally but at one point you're writing for uh bushman bushman mm -hmm. boards and now you're writing for sharp eye is that correct actually or? my first ever surfboard was a bushman surfboard so um i think i was like seven eight years old when i first got like a hard board like a and then i rode for bushman for about um four years i guess so seven to eleven and then um after that 
one of my other coaches, Kahe Hart, mm-hmm. um, he was like, hey, like you should try these weight decora boards. I mm-hmm. think they would really work out for you. Um, I think he would like really match what kind of surfing you would do. So I rode weight decora boards. I started trying weight decora boards and they really helped my surfing out a lot. Um, he makes incredible boards for, I guess like all the CT guys even get his boards when they come out here yeah. for pipe. So he makes really good boards. Um, and then just over this last year, I started trying sharp eye surfboards and I felt like that those boards like changed the way that I surf now. Right. Um, there's such like light and fast boards and such high performance boards as well. So right. he definitely helped me out. <laughs> so you're riding like a mix of shapers at the moment or you just got one or the other? Um, I'm so for the bigger stuff, I have all my weight Coro step ups and then I have my sharp eye surfboards as well. So I'm kind of like in between the two. It makes a lot of sense. I know, I know like there's obviously been throughout history, like men's and women's surfers who are, they're like, I've got one shaper and I'm this kind of person. I'm Mm going to ride in all conditions. But I think increasingly you're seeing, you know, people work with board builders who build boards, really, really good boards for a specific type of wave. Right. You know, and it's like, well, why do I have to sacrifice like their talent in maybe like Hawaiian waves? Yeah for this other person's talent at like a lowers s kind of wave or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And so it's it's great that you feel like you got that kind of relationship with both of them and you're able to do that. So um yeah, like you said like um Marcio Sharp by Surfboards makes specific boards for like progressive surfing and they also work in like the heavier stuff as well, but right. if it gets to a point a certain point where it's too heavy, I would take out the weight to Coro because I can always rely I can always rely on his surfboards because I know they always work in the heavier stuff. Right. But just this past year of learning like how Marcio shapes his boards and um, how he makes them, it's just incredible to just ride his surfboards as well. Like his surfboards work everywhere for me. Right. Yeah. But um, I think in the heavier stuff, Takoro surfboards work well too. So cool. it's a good balance. It is a good balance. Yeah. I, and I feel like everyone's getting a little bit better at, at even if they're a Hawaii-based shaper or an Australia-based shaper, they're able to shape for like a global set of waves. Mm-hmm. I remember before, this was a time before times, right before you were born, <laughs> um, when I worked at the Rip Curl Surf Center in San Clemente, we would get a ton of Australian imports, mm-hmm. like boards, and it'd be like JSs and DHs and all these things great boards and everyone wanted them because everyone's like oh parko and mick and like i want that board and we'd look at them and i'm like that board's not going to work at lowers like it just isn't like that board is designed for snapper rocks like bowling out or kira or something and that's so funny how you can look at a wave like that like a board like that of course yeah and i'm hardly like an expert but like it's certainly that was the case but i feel like now everyone's kind of gotten to the point where it's like i'm building an all-arounder and we're going to shape these boards for that like location even if you're importing and stuff but that's very cool what kind of i love this question for (laughs) ct surfers but like when you go about getting boards for your year, competitive boards or just boards for free surfs or whatever, I've found that most CT surfers fall into two camps. Like one camp is I'll ride anything. I'll ride epoxies and quads and thrusters and bat tails and I just whatever works for the conditions. And then in, you know, and then in my heat, I ride my Ferrari. Mm-hmm. And then 
that's pretty rare to find out those people. But most of the CT servers are like, I'm riding my Ferrari every day, regardless of like how big or small or crappy or good the waves are, because I just want to be as sharp as possible on it. Mm -hmm. Are you the kind of surfer that likes to stick with one kind of model, like, you know, high performance model, or do you experiment? Yes, I'm the kind of surfer who sticks to that model. If I like something, I'll just stick to it. But I also try various types of other model models too and like but um if i really like something i'll just stick with it like the whole time um so like if it's my ferrari i will stick with that ferrari like the whole time but i like trying other things but it gets to a certain point where like if something doesn't need to be changed like why change it yeah like if any it's that saying i guess I, that makes sense. And I think the other risk, right, if you're not that kind of person is you hear this all the time where it's like, oh, I am a Ferrari all the time kind of person. But, you know, someone made me a fish and you all, it's the same comment every time. Oh, it's impossible for me to get off it. It's like, well, if it's impossible for you to get off it, you better get off it quick because you're going to not be able to ride that in a minute. So, yeah, I don't think I would ever be that type of person. Who's like, oh, it's impossible to get off it. Right. I, I'm always open to try like other kinds of boards and other kinds of models, but Ever since I was like 11, I've been sticking with like the same, even the same tail. Like I only ride round pins. I've tried like um, squashes or f like um, fishes or whatever, like swallowtails. I don't like those. I've stuck with the round pin like for seven years. I don't want to get off of it. it you talked a little bit about your travels, certainly in your island and obviously doing the Challenger series. But I'd imagine, you know, having parents that are originally from Brazil, that you've spent a little bit of time there. I have. So ever since I was born, we would go, me and my mom, my mom would take me. We would go every year to Brazil because all of my family is there. Mm -hmm. My dad's parents, my mom's parents are all from there. They're siblings. Um, so we would go spend time with family every year during the summer or during the holidays, mm. but I haven't actually been in about five years. Yeah. To Brazil. So All right. that yeah. kind of derails my next question. Cause I was going to ask, I'm sure those trips were like really, really fun, mm -hmm. but post 12, which is about five years ago when you mm -hmm. started taking, you know, this whole surfing career seriously. I was going to ask if some of those Brazilian trips became more training intensive, where you're like, I'm going here, I'm coming here to surf and sur surf a certain type of wave and, and train. But you haven't been there in a while. Um, so where my um, my mom's and my dad's parents live, it's more city-like. Right. And there's no, not much surf there. So every time I would go, I wouldn't really surf. Right. There wasn't much surf or much options to go to. So it's kind of just like regrouping and spending family time and spending quality time with family. Um, it was never for like intense training or anything. Just always fun. <laughs> outside of those, uh, it brings me up another question, but outside of those downtime, family time, when you're not feeling pressured to surf, are you the kind of surfer that likes to surf all day, every day? Do you feel comfortable taking days off? Like, how do you how do you go about you know the surfing part of your job? I guess it just depends how the waves are. Okay. Um. So if the waves are good, or if it's like, um, firing like all day every day, I probably surf like three times a day. Right. 
But if it's like kind of an average day here, I wouldn't mind taking a resting day or like doing something else. I guess we're in, you come from a place where it's like good all the time. You get surfed out. And yeah. I think you need a, a break and like a balance to do something different. Do you do other things uh, training wise outside the water? You know, yoga, you mentioned kickboxing, but mm -hmm. do you do anything specific um, in terms of your physical fitness? So I train with Kahea mm -hmm. at least, Kahea Hart, um, at least three times a week. Mm -hmm. We do more um, mobility foundation stuff in the gym with him. Um, lots of strength and all that kinds of stuff in there. I do kickboxing sometimes. Um, I started doing um, Bikram yoga, mm -hmm. which I think helps my flexibility. I am not very flexible, me neither. which I need to work on. <laughs> but I think all those things have helped me. Yeah. And what about the, this has become something that I think a lot of athletes um, in and outside the surfing, but certainly in surfing have been taking up lately, which is the, the mental aspect of it. Do you work with um, any sort of like mental coaching in terms of sports psych? Um, so I started actually working with um, Raph, Rafael. Um, he's from Brazil as well. He does like he does like physical training as well, but he's a mindset coach as well. Mm -hmm. So we just do like mental strategies for upcoming events and all that kinds of stuff. And it actually like really helped my mental um, in the side of that, I guess. Um, Sorry. Like, oh, no, you're fine. I mean, you clear, and it's fine. I mean, it clearly worked. You blitzed yeah. the Challenger series, so yeah, you must yeah. have been stoked. So I think competition, it's all mental. Like, mm. it's all in your mind. If you're physically fit, I think anyone can do it. And, like, if you have the talent, I think anyone can do it. But I think it all comes down to the mental side. Like, if you're mentally, like, I don't know, what's the word? Like, ready or whatever. Mm, sure. Yeah. Um, I think you can do it, but it's all like mental, I guess. One of the things that I think is pretty well established, but I've certainly noticed it throughout my my 16 years at the company, the surfing industrial complex, you know, the media and the industry love to hype young surfers qualifying, you know, mm -hmm. and, and we've seen it over time. And sometimes that hype, I think, has a negative effect because they get hyped so much that they kind of feel like I'm at the top of the mountain when they just qualified. And the speed and the talent and the strategy, the difference between, you know, the Challenger Series level and the Championship Tour level is so vast that a lot of surfers with that hype kind of suffer because they feel like they, they're complete by the time they qualify. Yeah. Um, but when you look at other surfers like a Mick Fanning or an Adriano who both win world titles eventually, you know, they're on the record as saying, I qualified and I had all these gaps in my surfing. You know, and I have to specifically go out and work on it. Adriano specifically went out and worked on his rail game, mm. you know, and when he, the year he won the world title, he worked with Jamie O'Brien for six weeks mm -hmm. just to be comfortable at pipe. You know, Mick Fanning um, famously spent, you know, six weeks in Tahiti before the event that he won there because he said, oh, look, I'm just, it's not my strong suit. Mm -hmm. If you had to outline one part of your surfing that you'd like to work on next, what do you think that would be? I guess the progressive part. I'm. Mm. Um, I see all these girls now progressing the sport with aerial. I guess I would. I sure. want to work on that because that's not really my strong suit. My strong suit is probably is power surfing mm -hmm. and kind of 
more waves of consequence. So pipeline is actually, it's out of, outside of my comfort zone. Right. I probably wouldn't thrive out there as often as I w- would want to. Mm-hmm. And so for this next event, like pipeline, that's all I've been working on is just trying to get as comfortable as I can or as possible as I can um, to do well out there and to do well in ways of consequence. So I guess it would be more progressive, like aerials and stuff and more ways of consequence. On the aerial side, have you spent a lot of time or any time, I guess, in any of the wave systems to work on that specifically? And what were your experiences with that if you did? Um, I actually have. I've been to Waco a few times just to work on like the aerial side. Um, and it's it's really difficult. <laughs> but did you notice that it helped, you know, getting to repeat over and over and, you know, thousands of times if you want really the same aerial section? Did you feel like you, you made a difference going there? And I actually found that, that like um, doing, working on that, or like a trick or a maneuver over and over and over again, found it super helpful. Yeah. Just like doing it repeatedly, like over and over again. Um, so you know, like, or you can like watch the clips, like, oh, this is what you did there. Why don't you go try like something different there? Or like try move your hand to this position so you might land in this other position. So like, I think just working on it repeatedly, like really helps yeah like really helps we're gonna take one more break uh to get another word in from our sponsor and we'll be back in a minute hey i hear you think podcasts are all about true crime huh well wise guy the iHeartRadio app's got all kinds of podcasts we got stuff you should know and stuff they don't want you to know we got bobby bones big boy and lou later we got spongebob binge pants and exotic erotic story time we got Doughboys, two dudes in a kitchen green eggs and dan hey we got elf quest we got podcasts for everything on the iHeartRadio app for free. If you don't download that, well, that's not just a true crime, my friend. That's criminal. Manduka was founded in 1997 with the simple idea that a better yoga mat could make a world of difference. For generations, Manduka has revolutionized the yoga space by providing purposely crafted products that enable a more joyful practice, whatever that looks like for you. The collaboration between Manduka and Jerry Lopez honors Jerry's profound dedication to both surfing and yoga disciplines. The limited edition collection showcases Jerry's signature camouflage print inspired by his surfboards. It fuses his iconic surf style with Manduka's commitment to quality and sustainability, offering everyone a unique expression of their practice. We all know that having the right gear is essential and a yoga mat is no different. Feel the benefits of yoga with Manduka's soulfully engineered, eco-friendly products designed to inspire your practice wherever you go. The Manduka and Jerry Lopez collection want to inspire you to practice yoga however you choose to. And from now until June 10th, you will get 15% off of all products when you visit manduka.com with the code THELINEUP15. That's manduka.com code the lineup 1515 one of your uh fellow members of the qualifying class on the challenger series caitlin simmers mm-hmm. uh 15 so not that much younger than you but mm-hmm. everyone's pretty young 
opted not to accept her spot on tour this year. She wanted to uh, take more time to mature and, and be a kid. What were your thoughts when you heard about her decision? I actually thought that was one of the m most mature decisions um, that anyone's ever done probably in the sport. Just because, I guess I'm so young too, I could have made the same decision or whatever. I thought that was such a mature and polite and humble decision of her to just take time off and still um, mature and like grow up. Um, I guess she didn't want to grow up during the tour or and she just wants to keep having fun so yeah. i thought that was really cool yeah did you ever think did you ever second guess your decision to do it at 17 or you feel like this is my opportunity i'm ready we're, we're gonna roll with it as soon as i heard i was there was no backing down yeah um if it's an opportunity in front of you i always take it yeah first two events as we've talked about billabong pro pipeline mm -hmm. and then the hurley pro at sunset beach not too far apart geographically, but radically different waves. Mm -hmm. Do you have different boards for each spot or same boards that you just take out? I guess like the guys on tour would say they would ride completely different other boards for like Pipeline and Sunset. But I kind of just, whatever's working, I just ride it at either spot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. For our listeners who have never actually physically been to sunset beach how would you describe that wave to them um it's like a big so <laughs> we're trying to surf a big wave progressive wave i guess mm. so it's um something that billy kemper said it was like it's so true um that's what he said it was like trying to surf a big wave like um yeah like a small wave yeah yeah that's how it is <laughs> It's your home spot. Do you feel like you will have a little bit of home field advantage out there? Yeah, I hope I do. I've been surfing there since I was seven years old. Right. Um, I know how that wave works, where to sit, um, on what tides it's good at, like what winds it's good at. Um, I've grown up there, so I hope I have a good advantage. Yeah, I mean, surfers and competitors constantly reference like, it's easy to get lost out there. It's such a big playing field. Mm. And so I'd imagine that your comfort level and experience out there cuts through a lot of that. It is such a big playing field um, for a heat. Usually free surfing, it's like you have guys all around you. So like you're not really too lost. But in a heat out there, you could get pretty lost with how much space there is and how much um, it's not a lot go like going on. Um, so I guess it's easy to get lost out there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You talked about you excited to be on the championship tour. You're not expecting too much of yourself, but making the mid-year cut must be a goal. I don't want to put pressure on myself, but you kind of have to. Um, just seeing that this year is very different with this new mid-year cutoff. When I wanted to make the tour, I always thought, oh, we're going to start at Snapper and mm, like have a right. full year of all these perfect ways. But as this new generation came, it's like the whole thing switched. Right. Probably because of like all this new COVID stuff and all that. That was why the change. Or, but, yeah. I yeah. mean, I think it's a couple things. Like I yeah. think I think the COVID um, non-year 2020 expedited a lot of the changes that we wanted to make. Yeah. Um, 
And a lot of those changes are already working out really, really well. So yeah. I think we're pretty excited about it um, on our side, and mostly because it guarantees that that platform is still going to drive the world's best surfing right. and that it's going to be there in kind of perpetuity, which is what, you know, it's really important for everyone, certainly mm-hmm. ourselves. But, yeah. you know, it's, it's interesting, too. Like, I, I, I wonder if, if you look at the schedule, right? We have mm-hmm. Pipeline, Sunset Beach. Portugal. Portugal, thank you. Super yeah. Tubos. Bells Beach, Margaret River, mm-hmm. Mid-Year Cut, G-Land, Punta Roca now in El Salvador, yeah. Sacarema in Brazil, Jeffreys Bay, Tahiti. Which two spots are you most excited about surfing on either in, in any in any of those 10? J-Bay? Have um, you been there before? Never. Oh, all right. Never. After that mid-year cutoff, I'm like really looking forward to All of them, yeah, literally all of them. I've qualified, <laughs> because, I'm in, we can say forever. Um, <laughs> Now that they added Punta Roca, it's like, I'm really excited for that event. Just have you, have perfect, you been down there too? Or? No. Oh, okay. No. It was one of those things like when I was a kid, like following this or in high school or whatever, we didn't have internet or anything mm-hmm. back in the dark ages. <laughs> but like we get the magazines yeah. and as a kid, you're reading about like the Fiji event or the Gold Coast event That's or whatever. Crazy. And every photo, it looks perfect. Yeah. And all the, like the article that you read, everything sounds perfect. And you're like, oh my God, like the dream tour is just pumping surf every everyone just must get waves all the time and i'm sure you've experienced this competing your whole life and obviously Mm -hmm. living in the ocean but one of the things that was pretty jarring being on tour and certainly everyone gets exposed to it with the webcast is that it could be the right swell at the right stop Mm -hmm. and you just have a heat that is like nope no. no ways for you that heat or anybody, you know? So it's one of those things where it's like, it's not all, it's not all dream tour all the time. Yeah. Um, I've definitely watched a couple heats that are like just nothing, just yeah. dead flat, but like the conditions are absolutely perfect. So it's like, kind of like it's mother nature. You can't control mother nature. We're in such a unique sport. Like you never know what's going to happen out there. Yeah. It's all exciting new challenges. Yeah. that we're facing being from hawaii who is carissa moore reigning five-time world champion to you an inspiration hmm. she's always been an inspiration to me the way she just all is always progressing the women's sport whether it's um charging waves of consequence or doing huge airs like the one she did in australia mm-hmm. um that's always been super inspiring to me but what really inspires me is she carries that with such um, grace. Mm-hmm. Um, she's always has like a smile on her face. So I guess she's like really kind of like a, such a great ambassador for the sport of surfing. Right. Yeah. Do you know her well? Would you say you guys are friends? I hope we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> I'll ask her next, but yeah. you know, you can yeah. answer. Um, I don't know her that well, but she's just like the way that I see her, she's just so much fun to be around. And she's always so nice to us when I do see her. So. She's so friendly. We talked a little bit about this, but you know, there's there's new surfers and new talent qualifying for the tour every year. But then, you know, every so often there's like a big generational shift. And on the men's side, you could argue that that big generational shift goes about every five years. You know, every five years there's like a new generation of people right. like in mass qualifying and pushing the sport. Um, and it's actually probably even longer on the women's side, it's probably like eight or 10 years. Every eight or 10 years, there's a new generation that's coming in and 
really pushing the sport and and you being 17 you're kind of at the bleeding edge of this new generation in women's mm-hmm. surfing what are your thoughts on that so i think somebody like just told me that the last like push or like of like a bunch of rookies qualifying on tour was like i think 2000 just 2000 right 2008 or something uh-huh. um so just being a part of this like new push um of woman surfing is like insane it's amazing because usually like every year for someone a girl qualifying it's usually just one person right with um just always the other girls like requalifying so just being a part of this new push is um crazy to me that we're all like coming in a pack yeah yeah well i'm looking forward to it um <laughs> i can't wait and also by the time this launches like you may be you may have already like made the front page around <laughs> one performance and everything. So um, I'm really looking forward to it. Before we go, um, we did uh, put a canvas out to the Instagram community for questions. We got a bunch back, but we narrowed it down to three. Okay. Uh, first question is from at Andy Cashford, who asks, how do you approach pressure situations, both mentally and physically? I just try not to think about pressure situations way too much. Um, I don't want to get anything in my head because I would say I am an overthinker Mm. and I overthink a bunch of situations. If it's either how the waves are, what board, if I'm confused on boards, um, I tend to like try and not overthink pressured situations. Right. Yeah. Second question is from at oally47 who asks, is there a wave on tour you haven't surfed, which we talked about a little bit? Mm-hmm. If so, how are you approaching it? So maybe maybe what is the first wave on tour that you haven't surfed and how are you going to approach getting ready for it? I think I haven't surfed most of the waves on tour. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the first wave that I haven't surfed that'll be on the schedule is probably Portugal okay. or like Paniche, Super Tour. Yeah, Super Tour, yeah. So the way that I want to approach it is just having a fun free surf. That's probably how I want to approach all the waves that I haven't surfed. Like, for instance, J-Bay. I just want to have a fun free surf with one other girl out. Yeah. Last question is from at the real McPiven. McPiven? I'm not sure. I'm sorry. Uh, Their question is, who are you looking forward to surfing against the most and the least this season? like all the girls on tour but specifically um i'm looking forward to surfing against all the big dogs like steph tyler carissa um lakey like all the girls that have been there for like 10 plus years i'm excited to be surfing against them love it yeah final segment it's now time for the lightning round presented by michelob ultra pure gold 10 questions okay. for you to answer as quickly as you can. Okay. If you could only have one board set up for the rest of your life, single fin, twin fin, thruster, quad bonzer, or finless, what would you choose? I've only ridden twin fin and thruster, so I would say... I'll do twin fin. All right. Okay. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Burrito or pizza? Burrito. Last book you read? The How um, Champions Think. Best surf film ever. Uh, leave a message. One wave you never have to go back to. Uh, Huntington Beach. <laughs> if you only get to surf one wave for the rest of your life. Barra de la Cruz. Best person to share a lineup with. My friends. 
worst person to share a lineup with? Uh, <laughs> crazy uncles. <laughs> <laughs> Last one. Finish the sentence. I will next achieve a state of happiness by... I will next achieve a state of happiness by having fun. I think that might be the fastest lightning round we've ever done. Really? You that didn't get... slow. No, no, you're good. Most <laughs> people get hung up on the book question. There's a big like... Oh, no. You're quick. Yeah. Okay. Good work. I try to be quick. Luana Silva, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Good luck this season. Um, congratulations. It's incredible. And I can't wait to watch you surf. Thank you so much. I was actually really excited. Thank you for having me here. Of course. So that's it. That's the lineups conversation with Sunset Beach's Luana Silva. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, by the time this airs, Luana and the rest of the world's best surfers have likely started the 2022 WSL Championship Tour season with the Billabong Pro Pipeline streaming live on worldsurfleague.com and the WSL app. Do not miss it. This episode is produced by Henry Beyer with art direction by Jason Penning and copywriting by Dan Willen. Thanks to them and thanks to our sponsors. We appreciate their support. The lineup acknowledges that it is recorded and produced on the ancestral lands of the Chumash, the Kumeye, and the native Hawaiian people. I hope you safely get some waves wherever you are, and we'll see you next Tuesday. WSLstore.com is powered by Shopify. We love the analytics we can check on the go. A lot of us are addicted to checking the Shopify app on our phones. We also love the automations and marketing integrations with our social and YouTube channels. It has incredible features to help us manage our global audience, including international taxation support and great shipping optionality. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US, and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash lineup, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash lineup now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash lineup.